1: This is episode 238 being recorded on Thursday, October 1st, 2020. Man, this year is going fast. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey,
0: Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. Welcome to the first day of Q4 2020. Um, Hopefully your Q3s were all ahead of plan and your same-store sales uh, were decent, given that we're in a pandemic. Jason, back, way, way back, Uh, I don't know if you can remember back this far, Um, back in episode 235, we talked about some of the factors that could impact holiday and surfaced uh, this kind of concern that we may be running out of shipping capacity before we really get too deep into the holiday. Um, I have coined that ship again. So that is really interesting. And we've gotten a lot of um, Twitter and, and listener traffic and questions about this. So it seems to be top of mind with everyone. So we decided here uh, in episode 238 to do a bit of a deep dive on this, and we decided, uh, you know, that that you and I know enough about shipping to get in trouble, but we needed to bring some more folks into the conversation. So we're really excited to have on this episode two experts, uh, and they're also regular listeners of the show, Scott Silverman, um, who probably sounds familiar to a lot of you, um, and then Ken Kasar. Uh, they have both been watching this closely, and they just did a consumer survey of over a 1,000 people to understand the consumer side of this, how they're thinking about um, shipping delays, uh, shopping early or late, that kind of thing. Um, but then they also did a survey uh, on the digital executive side to understand how our merchants and retailers and brands thinking about this. Um, so excited to have you guys on the show. Welcome, Scott and Ken. Thanks for having us.
1: Glad to be here. We are thrilled to uh, have you guys and we're excited to jump into it. Um, but as you know, we like to always start by giving the listener a little bit of background about the guests. So, um, Scott, I'd love to start with you. Your name will be familiar to listeners because you were a guest way back in episode 66. Um, so quite some time ago. And then you have, you've made cameos on a number of shows since then, some listener question shows and others. Um, would you mind reminding the the listeners a little bit about your background in e-commerce and what you're doing today?
2: Sure. Well, super excited to be back on the Jason and Scott show. Uh, I have been in the e-commerce digital retail industry for over 20 years. I describe myself now as a digital retail connector. Um, I spent about 10 years running shop.org, which was the previous uh, online group of the National Retail Federation. I did that until 2010. And since then, I've been doing things on my own that are uh, related to bringing e commerce leaders together for <clears throat> information sharing, learning, sh- uh, and uh, networking, uh, including uh, putting together a conference called Commerce Next, which focuses on customer acquisition and growth. And um, and that's been I've been spending quite a bit of my time on that. Um, and that's really where this uh, this survey came from. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit.
1: Very cool. And uh, always apropos to talk to you around holiday e-commerce, because amongst your many claims to fame, uh, you actually coined the, the term Cyber Monday, did you not?
2: I was the co-inventor with uh, Ellen Davis from NRF, and uh, but I was the uh, inventor of CyberMonday.com, um, which is a fundraising uh, affiliate site.
1: Yeah, that was actually run by Shop.org and later NRF that raised a ton of money for uh, scholarships for kids in the digital space. Yeah, absolutely. So some very cool stuff. So always great to have you back on the show, Scott. Uh, And then, Ken, this is your first time on the show, but your analysis has been on the show a number of times because you have been one of my secret weapons. Can you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh,
3: Yes, I am uh, Ken Kassar. Uh, I have been in the retail industry for 25 or so years, but made the jump to e-commerce in 1998. Uh, At the time, I was working for BMG Direct. That's uh, 11 CDs for the price of one. Uh, decided that direct mail probably wasn't uh, going to um, have the promise that e-commerce had and uh, jumped over to a um, strategic advisory company called Jupiter Research at the time. Um, in the subsequent 25 years, I've spent uh, most of my time in sort of this weird intersection of uh, data analytics and strategic opportunities and strategic threats that come out of that, focused on the retail industry, um, working with both brands and retailers. Spent uh, 10 years uh, with Nielsen, five years with Rakuten Intelligence. Uh, And uh, now I have my own consulting shop called Casarco. Uh, And um, we work with retailers, brands, and the vendors that support them Uh, helping them understand what is happening in the retail industry, again, with a focus on e-commerce, with a focus on that intersection of data and strategy.
1: Awesome. And uh, we're excited to jump into some of the original research you have, but I do want to frame up the topic just a little bit uh, to make sure all our listeners are catched up in the highly unlikely event that some of them haven't listened to every episode sequentially. Um, So... Uh, about a month ago, Fedex had their their quarterly earnings call, and they tweeted some interesting growth data uh, about their company. and And uh, um they were they were showing some pretty impressive growth. In two thousand and eighteen, they added five point seven percent additional parcel capacity for the year. In twenty nineteen, they added seven point eight percent additional parcel capacity. And then they were talking about for 2020 with this unprecedented e-commerce demand because of COVID that they were actually adding 11.4 uh, percent additional parcel capacity. So significantly more capacity than they add in a normal year, um, which is all good news. Uh, but uh, I pointed out to Scott on Twitter that, well, that's great news. That's way less capacity than – e-commerce is growing right So while FedEx was adding five to eight percent a year e-commerce was growing 13 to 15 percent a year and this year the most conservative estimates are for 18 percent growth um, you know the last couple of quarters we've we've seen depending on how you want to count between 45 and 80 percent growth and so my my hypothesis was, man, if there's more e-commerce demand in Q4 than there was in Q3, um, there's going to be a significant comeuppance because the none of the carriers are going to be able to flex to to have the capacity to fill all the extra e-commerce orders. Um, and so to sort of test that hypothesis a little bit, I actually reached out to another vendor in our space, uh, ShipMatrix. And ShipMatrix is a software tool that a lot of um, e-commerce sites use to manage their shipments. So they see a big chunk of all the the parcel capacity that gets sent out to FedEx, UPS, uh, USPS, and even Amazon, and um, they they track on time performance. Um, so so they told me that in 2019, FedEx, UPS, and the post office all kind of hover around this 95 to 98 percent on time rate, um, and that for the last six months of the pandemic, they've been averaging more like 92 percent. So down uh caught three to five percent worse performance than they normally have. So the the COVID increased demand has already hurt their on-time performance. Um their data actually shows that Amazon's struggling even more that Amazon normally has a 95% on-time performance for their two-day deliveries and that they're now running at 85%. So they're down like 10%. So to kind of wrap that up COVID has forced a bunch of people to shop online. We've been trying to ship a lot more packages. The, none of the carriers have the ability to flex uh, as quickly as the e-commerce demand does. And so there's, there's great concern about what that means um, for holiday. And that's what prompted us to do this show today, talking about uh, the holiday 2020 and the impending shipping nightmare. Yeah, that's good framing, Jason. Um, and, you know, if
0: if things are buckling in Q3 and Q2, what's going to happen in Q4 if we, you know, usually that incrementally drives on top of what you're seeing in the earlier quarters. So um, that's a good time uh, to kick it over to Scott Silverman. Uh, maybe maybe start us off with how, how you guys came up with the idea for the survey and what the input this was.
2: So we've been uh, leaning into research through the entire pandemic uh, with Commerce Next. So I think we had some of the earliest data available at the end of March uh, in terms of hearing what retailers were experiencing uh, from the pandemic. And we've been doing check-ins uh, between you know that period and now. Uh, But in the middle of August, we were talking to one particular retailer uh, who was hearing from a lot of other colleagues uh, that they were expecting uh, some kind of shipping capacity announcement or policy from UPS and and or FedEx. Uh, There were a lot of rumors that it might be around 30 percent. And this is on, you know, there's a lot of things to unpack here. There's the surcharges. Um, the increased demand uh, that's going to come from shipping, and just generally, there's just more uh, shopping that's going online during the pandemic, as as, as we all know. Um, and so, we thought we really needed to be helpful to our community, uh, get and tr- try to provide some some data for them. And we thought we could do something where we would look at both consumers. So we have a partnership with Bizrate Insights, and they did a survey. Um, for us with over a thousand consumers. And then we tapped into our community and had um, 63 retail executives in a variety of different categories. They generally were skewing on the larger side, like a hundred million or higher in terms of uh, annual revenue. And that allowed us to get a pretty good picture of of what everyone was experiencing. Um, At the same time, um, you know, I've known Ken Kassar, you know, probably bet, you know, over 20 years and uh, he, I, you know, I learned that he was spinning up Kassarco um, and we thought maybe we could work with Ken to have him do some of the analysis on the data. So um, we ended up working with Ken. I'll, I'll let Ken kind of walk through some of the, the high points of, of what we learned.
3: Well, thank you, and um, and uh, and Scott. When you had first reached out, I was like Scott. So isn't he the guy that invented Monday, but uh, Cyber Monday, which is uh, which is a much much better thing than uh, than Monday.
1: Let, let the record show, I like the guy that invented Saturday a lot more than Scott.
3: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, but the uh, but yeah. Now I was really excited to be able to uh, dig into this stuff, and the um, and what was interesting here is we were able to field kind of simultaneous studies with that looked at um how consumers were feeling and how merchants were feeling at the uh, at the same time um with specific regards to the shipping issue and um and the and you know and i think you know probably the most interesting uh, finding at least the best place to launch from is when we ask uh, merchants about their biggest consumer-related concerns, and we also asked about logistics, which we'll get to. But when we asked about their biggest consumer-related concerns for the 2020 holiday season, um, the top of the at the top of the list um, was uh, their concern about consumers' expectation of fast free delivery coupled with shipper-related issues. 63% of the retailers that we surveyed had cited that. Um, And kind of double-clicking in when we asked about um, concerns that merchants had around um, fulfillment-specific or uh, delivery-specific issues, um, uh, the the biggest challenges or concerns came back to shipper-related issues. The first 60% of merchants said that they were concerned that shippers may cap deliveries during peak demand. Uh, and um, and uh, number two short uh, very very closely behind uh, they worry about shipper surcharges straining profitability. Um, when we click over to the consumer data, um, we see uh, good reason for retailers to be worried about this because when consumers are asked about um, their expectations, the promotions that are going to move them this year, um, um, the 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 things that will motivate them are certainly free shipping, um, followed um, by a whole bunch of other issues. Uh, but the um, but the uh, but they want to make sure that they're getting free shipping, uh, and um, and with the elevation in e-commerce demand that we've seen, and you know I think. Everybody has kind of different numbers, but what's pretty clear is that after a period of dramatic elevation, things have come down a little bit, but we're moving into holiday that is historically the most significant crunch on the e commerce side of the business. So uh, I think everybody from both the merchant side as well as the consumer side are concerned about what this holiday season is going to look like.
2: And if I could just jump in, uh, just like adding to the consumer side, one of the questions we asked was if you're planning to spend uh, time with fewer loved ones over the holiday season. As you could expect, um, that was a pretty high number. Almost half of the people said that that was the case, which means that there's going to be a lot of people buying gifts remotely instead of buying gifts in a store and then, you know, taking them to you know grandma's house where you're having Christmas dinner or whatever you're going to do and. Exchanging gifts. So I that seems to be placing even more pressure on this current situation.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think you asked a a terrifying follow up question, which was, hey, if you're not going to be visiting family in person, do you do you plan to give as many gifts as usual or fewer? We did ask about holiday budgets and um and the uh,
3: and amongst our survey respondents um it was mid 30s percent um I don't call the number off the top of my head but the uh, but mid 30s or so had said that they intended to spend less on gifts this holiday season um the having been tracking this sort of behavior for quite a while consumers consistently say that they intend to spend less during the holidays than they actually, uh, than they actually, or, or than, than previously, um, but the um, but this year is so different that I'm more inclined to believe it uh, this year than any other year, and I'm pretty um, uh, believing uh, of the forecasts that I've seen that show a relatively soft overall holiday season. Uh, unless you're an online retailer, uh, and then it seems that it's going to be a very, very different story this holiday.
1: Yeah, and can debunk this if I'm wrong, but my hypothesis, so, uh, so always take consumer surveys about how they're going to behave with a huge grain of salt, of course. Um, the In general, I would say consumers dramatically underestimate how much they're going to spend on themselves for holiday. So they always say they're going to spend less, and then they end up buying more items for themselves, but they overestimate how much they're going to spend on others. <laughs> and so my my fear is if you're not going to be looking your aunt and uncle and cousins in the face across the table, um, and in your survey they're already saying they're planning on gifting less, then they probably really are going to be gifting less.
2: Well, I mean, one counter to that. Uh, is I heard this today, an interesting thought is that all of the money that people would be spending traveling to, you know, on airfare and hotels and such and, and such could, could potentially be, you know, rerouted, uh, no pun intended, into uh, gift purchases. So maybe that would give some more credence to people spending a little bit more money because they're going to have a little bit more money uh, having traveled less.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's valid and super interesting. To me, that that goes into this bucket that that you guys called out in your, your report, and of course Deloitte and others have talked about, I think Cowan brought it up this year as well. Um, a super common description of this holiday is bifurcation. And one of the ways that's described is, hey, there are a bunch of consumers that had probably planned an expensive vacation they're not going to take, and so they may have more discretionary um, spending to invest that they might be more inclined to improve their home or, uh, you know, buy more toys or invest in the new video game platforms that are coming out this year. Like there's this, these, this whole host of categories that could benefit from this affluent consumer with extra cash and, and like, uh, without doing a deep dive in the macroeconomic situation, uh, savings rates are uncharacteristically high. So they're, there's a premise that there are savings dollars to invest in holiday if consumers choose to do that, right? So that could be the upside of the bifurcation is affluent consumers could spend more um, and there are certain categories like toys, electronics, uh, uh, home improvement, uh, food that that could all benefit from that. The downside of the bifurcation is... Uh, The bottom 25% of all wage earners still have a 16% unemployment. A million people just applied for unemployment this week for the first time. All the enhanced benefits are expiring. There's 100,000 Disney and uh, airline workers about to get laid off. Um, And uh, all of those consumers are likely burning through that high savings rate. And they could shift into... Um, real recession mode and, you know, uh, feel a lot of economic insecurity and therefore legitimately spend spend less for a holiday. And then, of course, there's holiday categories like fashion that, you know, probably are going to be hurt by the fact that there's not going to be a lot of parties to go to this year. Uh, all the Halloween people are probably going to be hurt by the fact that the CDC says that you shouldn't go trick-or-treating. Um, and, Side note, the CDC came out this week and said uh, going to a retail store to Thanksgiving shop the uh, week of Thanksgiving is a high-risk activity that should be avoided. So lots of weird trends driving more spending and less spending. So how, how, do, you, how do you figure out how all those are going to net out, I guess, is the magic question.
3: The and uh, you know the I, I had done some analysis of credit card data from a partner of mine, Affinity Solutions, uh, a, a few months ago, and um, we were looking at the the changes in spending over time at looking at different income groups. Uh, and this this was March through April, through May, through June and July. And it was absolutely incredible to me how much more volatile the spending was and re- and, and apparently responsive to government stimulus, lower income groups were. Um, and um, and they are absolutely the folks that are the most at risk at this point in the economy. And um, and so we need to watch that really closely. And the unemployment rate, I think, more than anything else, is the number that we ought to be paying attention to right now. When I look at the overall Census Bureau spending numbers, um, they can lull one into complacency. Uh, the uh, While April and May were dramatically below the previous year, by June and July, we were up. By August, we were flat. And remember, during August, we started to see some of the government benefits uh, being curtailed. Um, the, uh, I think we want to keep a really, really close eye on some of the numbers that are coming out. Um, and I think that at least for a few months, it seems highly unlikely to me that there's going to be a political solution, um, that is, uh, that is going to help kind of pad what could be a difficult time. And, uh, and so I generally worry, um, more than I am optimistic with, uh, conflicting signals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good to keep a, an eye on everything, um, Let's jump into the survey. You when you kinda went through the highlights there, I thought it was interesting where um, you know, consumers, we have this friction. Consumers want fast free shipping and they don't and they want it all the way through the 24th, right? Uh, and then retailers are worried about being able to provide that. Where are we? You know, where is consumer expectation? Amazon raised the bar this year from two days for prime to one day. Um, it's not on every SKU, but they're they're kind of constantly trying to implement that. And then the pandemic shifted a bunch of that around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, conversely, on the other side of the coin, where are the bulk of the retailers from your perspective landing?
2: And I, I can jump in on that. I mean, you, you can, Scott, you can probably, you know, let us know, you know, like how much of the, shipping infrastructure that Amazon owns itself, but I think it's safe to say that they will be less affected by this than, um, all the other retailers, but what we're hearing from the, the retailers and a lot of, you know, some of this is in the survey. Some of this is just anecdotal and from conversations is there's a number of things they're trying to do. I mean, I think everyone, uh, you know, wants to manage expectations, um, I was talking to someone from Land's End and and they were talking about adding additional communications um, from when the order was placed to when the order gets delivered to keep consumers aware of where the package is. Um, we're hearing about retailers that I think would like to get people to buy earlier. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a you know, a, a mixed one, whether that can be accomplished or not, uh, because I think consumers have some pretty deep habits there, especially around the holiday. Uh, they're always expecting really good deals around, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or as you get later into December. Um, I heard one uh, example from b Photo that um, they talked about do offering a uh, guaranteed best price, which I thought was pretty creative. So to you know make customers feel a little more comfortable that um, they're not going to see a lower price later in the holiday season. But there's always that cat and mouse game going on between customers and retailers and the customers waiting until the end, thinking that they're going to get a really good price and on top of being um, procrastinators. Um, And, you know, and and we can kind of go dig, you know, into all of these, but I think they're also looking at, um, you know, backup carriers, alternative carriers. Uh, Certainly, uh, I think, as you were mentioning earlier, I don't know if that was Jason or Scott about the um, curbside and uh, buy online pickup in the store being a little bit of an outlet where you're less dependent on the carriers. Uh, Things like lockers. um, I don't know how prevalent that's getting. We didn't ask that. I wish we would have, it would have been interesting to see if any of the retailers are actually going to, you know, you know, be able to use lockers to alleviate a little bit of, of the pressure. Um, So yeah, those are some of the things that we're hearing about.
0: Yeah. um, So so two follow-ups there. Um, So Amazon's at about 60 66% of their own packages now, but, My sense is, and there's been some blog posts and they're they're never super specific. I think they're pouring on as much onto that as they can at these, at the individual, they're adding DSPs and they're adding capacity at DSPs. So I think of the ones Jason went through, they'll have the most ability to add delivery capacity. Um, I don't know if it'll keep up with the demand though. Um, And I think I saw this week, this is kind of in relevant news items that Lowe's announced they're going to try to put lockers in a lot of stores and... Um, it's cool. They looked, they looked a lot like Amazon lockers. I don't know what vendor they're using or if they, they kind of built their own. Jason, do you, did you see that? No, you busted me. I actually did not see that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I imagined it. Who knows? Oh, ah.
3: I didn't catch that one either. The, uh, I did actually try to measure that back in my, uh, Rakuten days. And, um, and so this was two years ago. And uh, we we're just looking at Amazon, and it was a surprisingly small percent of Amazon orders were going through lockers um, but um but fast forward a couple of years with more availability and with retailers that have more prevalent brick and mortar locations it could be a uh, could be a different story uh, you know one of the one of the things that had really kind of struck me from the research that we did we on the consumer side uh, we asked consumers. Um, uh, about we, we stated many retailers are going to be facing issues this year um, with shipping capacity um, and, uh, and costs. What trade-offs would you be willing to make in order to be able to get um, free shipping? Uh, and, um, 38% of the consumers that we surveyed said that they'd be willing to go to a local store to pick up an order. 31% said that they would be willing to wait longer for an order to ship. And I think for a lot of retailers, not sent, not named Amazon, that is going to be the key to the holiday season. Um, uh, trying to press consumers toward lower cost, lower pressure options, um that will uh, that will that, that will hope, hopefully make the whole enterprise operate more effectively um but we'll see to scott's point earlier um we'll see how well they're able to get consumers to budge from their past habits um historically i've been skeptical um that consumers will change uh, their uh, their past behaviors in any dramatic way however in a year where when I go to the grocery store, they tell me which way to walk down particular aisles. And I'm compelled to buy brands of toilet paper that I've never heard of before. Um, The, uh, the, uh, it may be, it may be a different story than in the past.
1: Yeah. uh, So let's, let's poke on some of those, those ways retailers are going to try to change and how successful they're likely to be. But before I do that, the, the, our show intern chimed in um, while, while you're answering that last question and annoyingly pointed out that Scott was right. Um, that, that Lowe's announced last week plans to add lockers in 1,700 stores. And apparently as part of that announcement, they disclosed that 60% of all their on, online orders are BOPUS, are, are fulfilled by store. So makes makes total sense for them. Um, so so going back to ways retailers would like to change shopping behavior for the pandemic, um, you guys alluded a little bit to retailers would like shoppers to start shopping earlier. And I feel like we've already seen a ton of efforts on the part of retailers to make that happen, right? So uh, Amazon has announced Prime Day, which is uh, the 14th and 15th of October. So um, for Amazon, for all intents and purposes, Thanksgiving uh, promotions have already started because they have pre-Prime Day sales running right now. They're going to run into this big two, two-day Prime thing, and I, I assume they'll roll right into Holiday Um, Walmart and Target have both counter-programmed sales the day before Prime Day or a couple days before Prime Day. Um, Target, Home Depot, and a bunch of other retailers have announced they're not going to have one-day giant doorbuster sales for Black Friday because none of the retailers want to encourage a giant line outside their stores um and a lot of their stores are on restricted capacity so they can't let a ton of customers in the store anyway and so instead of one day doorbusters on Black Friday they're doing two months of sales starting in October so so there's tons of promotional activity to try to entice the the shopper to buy early the retailer wants that shopper to buy early because that means there's more days and more shipping capacity to fulfill that order um, there's a whole whole variety of things that that are safer for the retailer if if they can get them to shop early. Um, the magic question, though, is: Are consumers going to believe the retailer? Like, does, when a consumer sees a deal now, are they going to say, "Hey, there's going to be an even better deal on on uh, Black Friday or later," and and therefore don't stop, start early, or can this promotional activity change that behavior? Do, like, do you have a sense for what's what's really likely to happen, Ken, in terms of 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 uh, holiday shopping shifting earlier, yeah, it's you
3: know I I I, I've got to say that like when I I, I, when I think back to analyses that I've done where I've looked at holiday spending on a day to day basis um, year over year where you anchor on Cyber Monday, uh, it, it, it amazes me how consistent that curve has been. Um, I spent five years when I was at Rakuten trying to find interesting things to say about the fact that patterns were as consistent as they were year over year. Um, and, um, and so it is an uphill battle. Um, I believe that the unofficial beginning of the holiday shopping season this year is Prime Day uh, or Prime Days, uh, however you want to think about it and um and that all retailers need to kind of orient themselves around that i do not believe that necessarily mean, means that retailers need to uh explicitly counter program against amazon and amazon's promotions um but they need to realize that that is the beginning um and uh and collectively spreading demand out as much as is critical the uh I think that this year, more than any other, there is going to need to be a harmony between marketers and infrastructure folks or operation folks, like we've never seen before. Uh, The marketing folks have gotta not be myopically focused on driving sales; they need to think about when those sales are occurring, Um, and uh, and and uh, they've gotta bring to bear all of the powers of persuasion uh, that they've developed, not to get people to buy, but to get people to buy at an appropriate time. And they have all the headwinds of the habits that they've developed over the course of years where consumers have justifiably come to expect the best deals to come later in the season. It is, a, uh, it is no small challenge.
2: Well, We had a webinar on this topic where we shared this data, and one of the panelists was the CMO from b Photo, Jeff Gerstel, and he made a really thoughtful comment related to this, and he's the CMO, um, but he said, really, you should be asking yourselves a year from now, you know what did you do to satisfy your customers most and if you're in a position where you see that that maybe there's a small percent of orders that are high risk for being fulfilled, you walk away from those and let someone else take those and potentially fail, but really focus you know on the orders that you feel most confident you're going to be able to do an amazing job with and think long-term the, about how you're going to build your brand um, over time and, and how people are going to remember you and and don't uh, take on too much this particular holiday. I mean, it. I think it's, um, you know, foreign for just about every marketer out there to not, Uh, really, you know, uh, put their foot on the gas during the holiday season. But this might be the one year where you want to back off a little bit and lay off the gas.
1: No, that's a great point, Scott. And I I actually think that that is, I mean, that's excellent advice. And I I do get a sense that that's the way the majority of retailers are leaning. Um, I've spoken to a lot of retailers that are anticipating having earlier cutoff days than usual. So, um, the last day they'll accept an order and still promise delivery for Christmas. People are just assuming, like you know, the service levels from the post office are going to be really unpredictable. Um, the you know uh, the the capacity from the other carriers, as we've already discussed, and so they're they're trying to be conservative because they would rather sell less stuff than be the the retailer that ruined Christmas by taking a bunch of orders and and not delivering. And I think the carriers are thinking the same thing. I I think FedEx and UPS are being really aggressive with their clients and saying, hey, you have to sign up for a quota of how many packages you can ship. You're not going to be allowed to ship more packages than your quota. Um, Like they don't appear to be looking to grab every order they possibly can. They appear to be being really conservative to make sure that they can deliver all the orders they grab. So I feel like um, that that might be the way that folks are leaning in general this year.
2: And then there's going to be some products and categories where there's still going to be an inventory problem. And I mean, we've had uh, you know folks you know from a guitar manufacturer talk about you know the shortages that they've had. We've all heard about bicycles, and uh, I don't know if bicycles are you know the you know factories have been able to kind of get back and, and and begin to bring more into the market. But I you know I think some retailers are going to be thinking about well. Maybe this is an opportunity to sell more, you know, be more exclusive, sell things at full price, not be as aggressive on discounting. So, there's so many different things going on this holiday season. It's going to be really interesting to watch.
3: Yeah, and one um one uh, uh, data point that uh that I do want to share from our merchant survey. Um, we had asked retailers um Uh, where they intended to cut off non-expedited shipping because, of course, uh, expedited shipping for many retailers is available up until two or three days before Christmas, but you're going to pay through the teeth for it. But non-expedited shipping is really, I think, where the rubber hits the road. Um, 52% of the merchants that we surveyed plan to cut off uh, or set their non-expedited cutoffs between December 14th and 17th. Um, and then another twenty five percent between december eighteenth and twenty first so those are the folks that are kind of living out on the edge this year. Um, more commonly um, the fourteenth uh, to seventeenth is the uh, is, is where those cutoffs seem to be coming kind of related to that is shipping speed and um, and here we asked merchants in that same survey um, how um, what their standard non expedited shipping commitment was and uh 63% of the merchants that we surveyed had that shipping commitment at 4 days or more um and um and so uh the uh so it, unfortunately i don't have a comparison relative to last year um but to me this feels consistent with last year where we had historically been seeing some pressure to get faster and faster so i'm feeling
0: conservatism amongst retailers very interesting that's um you know, so most of our listeners are obviously on the retailer brand, direct-to-consumer side. Um, it seems like um, we're, we're – all four of us are in agreement that this is going to be a particularly rough year for this this ship again. Um, some best practices we've surfaced are moving up your last delivery date. Sounds like the consensus from the survey was December 14 to 17. We've talked about improved communications Um the, you know, being really clear about what's expedited and, and not expedited, BOPUS curbside, ship from store. What are some other things that you guys are either hearing from the survey or anecdotally that that folks can do to, to help kind of uh, get out of the freight train that's kind of coming out of here?
2: I mean, I, you know, just, you know, old-fashioned, you know, contingency planning, uh, you know, being flexible and in, in where you're uh, moving your resources, uh, if you need folks to go into your fulfillment centers and, you know, pack more boxes or things like that, which I, I don't even know how all that's going to work with COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, we're hearing quite a bit of that as is just uh, being prepared for a lot of different scenarios and be flexible with your team, uh, be able to do as much as you can. Uh, it's sounds cliche ish, but I think that's also a big part of it.
3: Yeah, the and I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the pressure um, that had been a lot of the e commerce related pressure that had been sitting on the e commerce fulfillment centers in the past. Um, are going to are going to shift this year to the store um, because of curbside and BOPIS, uh, and then also um, the, when we asked merchants whether uh, those with stores whether they plan to ship significantly differently uh, items from stores relative to past um, uh, to last year forty one percent said that they were significantly increasing the throughput of shipments from their stores. Um, And, um, and so, you know, I think for retailers, uh, it's more than ever, um, the focus for e-commerce is going to come back to the store. um, And, um, and retailers have got to get training employees early, they've got to cross train employees, they've got to be prepared for. A whole mess of different, unpredictable scenarios. Uh, and um, if I were running a large retail chain, I would I would start my hiring a couple weeks early to make sure that people were ready uh, to deal with situations that they've never dealt with before,
0: uh, and to uh, to be as adaptable as possible. Yeah, it's interesting. We've had this kind of debate for a long time that the you know the omni-channel or harmonized retailers, whatever you want to call them. They had this asset of stores that they were underutilizing. The pandemic, kind of a weird, unintended consequence, I guess, of, of the pandemic could be that they're finally going to lean on those stores. Um, another, another interesting kind of option that we saw in the news this week was Sephora announced a partnership with Instacart. So so a lot of people are kind of saying, all right, we've got Bopus, um and – Curbside, but that still, you know, requires people to come to like a mall-like setting where the parking, you know, during the holiday, it's always really particular tricky. And then a challenge with BOPUS is the you know going and waiting in line to get in the store because of the reduced capacity. So the Instacart thing is interesting because there's these last mile networks that have been built up for either grocery delivery in the in the example of Instacart, um, or then you have shipped and others. Postmates kind of straddles both, uh, but then you have all the food delivery companies, and uh, and then you have Uber, of course, and and even maybe Lyft down the road. Um, you could see all those guys kind of playing a role in last mile. Just kind of interesting. Um, the 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 other side of the story there, though, is you know one of the fastest growing G- from a GMV perspective in the pandemic has been Shopify and their merchants. So I, I wonder if they'll be. Under the most stress, the pure play kind of SMB, because, you know, they're, they really have no, they're not like Amazon and they can build their own thing. Shopify is, is kind of helping a little bit. They have their own fulfillment centers, but they're, you know, they're, all those guys are going to be relying on USPS, FedEx, and UPS, and they're not going to be able to go out and buy the big, um, what do you call it, Jason, where you pre buy it, the, um, whatever that is, uh, they're not going to be able to go kind of pre-buy capacity like the other guys. Do, do you guys agree that that's going to be the most under-pressure quadrant here?
3: It's an under-pressure quadrant if you decide strategically that you want it to be. If you want to try to compete with – when I saw the Sephora news, I was thinking, well, do they really want to be competing with Amazon in uh, on that level of service? Um, or do they want to compete on their product um, and uh, the availability of product and their ability to help consumers understand? And uh, and I, 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 I think there are a lot of retailers out there that could potentially be over-investing uh, in getting products to consumers quickly, um, where they perhaps ought to be investing a little bit differently in the consumer experience. Uh, and um, and uh, and I, I I certainly believe that there is a segment where immediacy matters a lot, but just my probing through consumer surveys leads me to, over the years with some kind of you know longitudinal view of it feel like there's latitude now like there hasn't been before, and consumers are going to have a tolerance for a slow boat, uh, and um, and uh, and and retailers really ought to take advantage of it, unless they happen to be competing very, very directly with Amazon. And there are only two guys that I can think of that fall within that bucket.
2: I mean, there's, you know, the, the other way of looking at the the Instacart deal is, you know, it's an outlet for, you know, when, when you know your most dependable carriers are going to be stretched thin and you're looking for a series of outlets to kind of flatten it out um, a little bit and put less pressure on the existing carriers. Um, And I I haven't looked closely at that particular partnership. I don't know if if it is going to be like the same uh, fast delivery time or, you know, would Instacart be able to, you know, take all day to get something to somebody um, or even the next day or something like that.
1: Yeah, no, Scott, I actually think you're right in this case. Um, that obviously there are lots of last mile delivery services that historically have hung their hat on you can get the stuff fastest with by us that we can get it to you an hour after you order it or whatever. But I think for this holiday, what we're seeing a lot is, um, retailers that just need to find a safe way to sell more of their store inventory. So the the thing people forget about sometimes, I know you guys understand this, but, um, if you have a fulfillment center and a thousand stores and you have 10,000 Jason and Scott show mugs to sell, uh, you're going to have 5,000 of those spread out across those stores and you're going to have 5,000 of them in the fulfillment center. So getting 10, uh, 10,000 orders at the fulfillment center doesn't help you if half your inventories in the stores or vice versa. Like you, you have to match that supply to demand. So like retailers can't win by just having all their demand shift online. They would have a bunch of inventory tied up in stores that they then wouldn't be able to sell. And so curbside pickup or BOPUS are super appealing because they give you that e-commerce experience and they're still selling the store inventory. And I think some retailers are just concerned that consumers aren't going to want to do BOPUS or curbside because of safety issues or inconvenience issues with driving in the mall over holiday. And so to me, I think a bunch of these retailers that have added last mile home delivery for this holiday are are really just trying to make sure that more of their inventory is liquid and that they can sell it. So if Sephora can get Instacart to drive stuff home for people... That lets them sell more of their inventory. I know Bed Bath & Beyond is, also did a deal with Instacart and shipped. I think. And uh, we actually had a vendor on the show a, a, a year ago, episode 166, called Shipsy. And this is that's exactly what they do. They're like an aggregator that, that you know, pull together like 60 of these regional companies that can drive that stuff to you and, and fulfill those orders to you. So I, I think the service level might not be same day. It might just be a relatively cheap, easy way to to deliver store inventory. Um, but I want to pivot for a second because uh, earlier in the conversation, you brought up what to me is another interesting point that we haven't talked a lot about yet, which is um, inventory issues. So pandemic hits in March. People aren't sure, you know, how this is going to be impacted. Like one of the early predictions was, oh, man, uh, these stores are closed for two months. They're not selling any of their inventory. Holiday, we're going to be flooded with inventory and it's all going to be super cheap because everyone's going to have clothes from the wrong season that they're trying to sell. And what it it looks like to me has happened is a bunch of retailers got really cautious early in the pandemic and dramatically curtailed their holiday orders. And so I I actually think we're staring at the opposite problem. I think a bunch of retailers are really lean on inventory uh, this holiday and and we we potentially in the latter half of holiday might start running into uh, availability and supply chain problems. Do do you guys get any sense about inventory issues, and did that come up in the survey of the the digital execs at all?
3: Yeah, I, I, you know it's funny the uh, concerns about in stock on key items uh, were highlighted both from our merchant and consumer uh, surveys. Um, the uh, it wasn't necessarily at the top of the list but it was pretty close to the top of the list. It was number 2 on both. And um and so yeah, that is absolutely a big issue. Um the uh, my advice to retailers this year is identify your key inventory items and I mean maybe it's the top 100, maybe it's the top 1000 items. Um, but the uh, but those where you believe you've got any risk of being out of stock, you've got to think like Netflix, like Netflix, you know, when Netflix, when you type in a movie, uh, The Big Lebowski and they don't have that movie, they've got 100 other suggestions of movies like The Big Lebowski. Um, retailers have got to be armed with alternate suggestions for out of stock items, I think, in order to be successful, because I, 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 I agree that out of stock issues are, are going to be rampant this year
2: but and i don't envy the position the retailers are in i mean it, it obviously it's super challenging um you know in a variety of different ways but on the inventory issue like we're seeing a lot of news you know of this second wave of covid happening and what if that really gets bad um and there's like another full-blown lockdown in december then you know what happens what if they have to shut down fulfillment centers or now they're over inventoried. Um, there's so many different, you know, scenarios that could happen right now. It's uh it's a really challenging time.
0: Cool. It wouldn't be a Jason Scott show if we didn't talk a little bit about Amazon. Um, and I know the prime day announcement probably came after you did your survey, but wondering if you guys have a point of view of um, this new kind of uh, Octoberish prime day.
2: Well, what we did here, the retail—I mean, when we asked the retailers, uh, they didn't have the exact date. I think they knew it was going to be in early-ish October. Um, but we asked them if they are going to participate with their own sales or they're going to sit on the sidelines, and the majority um, said they were going to sit on the sidelines. So I thought that was interesting. We'll see if it actually happens. There were. There were a number of people that said they were undecided. So they're, you know, now that they have this specific date, um, we may see a lot of those undecideds, you know, decide that they're actually going to participate, especially if they feel like this really is the beginning of the holiday shopping season and it's a way to um, get some of those orders in, get people shopping earlier to spread things out, have a you know longer period to get products out to them. So I don't, Ken, do you do you have anything more you wanted to add based on what we saw in the research?
3: Yeah, I, 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 I do in it, just in addition to what, uh, to what you're saying, Scott, the, you know, th- this prime day, it, I I do think it's going to be a significant sales day. Uh, I just actually saw the e-marketer forecast for prime day. Um, and, um, and they're, they're anticipating a, a pretty significant increase um, and, um and And you know, and I think that that it, it's easy to dismiss that as well that's before the holiday season but it but it but it's not it, it that is i i believe going to chip into holiday sales for those that are prepared. I think consumers are going to be prepared this year um and um and yeah that i i think that is going i think Amazon is almost starting the holiday season um with a, a ten yard advantage on the uh, on the rest of its competitors. Um, because of the traction that they've had with Prime Day in the uh, in the past, um, and so uh, so everybody else really does have a bit of an uphill battle out of the uh, out of the gates.
1: And gotcha. Now, Ken, I'm not sure sports metaphors work when COVID has ruined all the professional sports leagues, but. <laughs>
3: And when you mix your metaphors all over the place. Uh, No, just
1: teasing. Um, So that dovetails perfectly to our last question, and I'm going to have to make it a lightning round question because we're getting close on time. But I do want to get just kind of the 30-second overview from each of you. Um, We've been talking a lot about this increased e-commerce demand for holiday. Um, From the very beginning of COVID, there's been huge increased e-commerce demand. And the most common way I hear retailers describe it is – every day has been Cyber Monday, right? So, um, you know, Salesforce talked about that across their whole platform. Shopify, you know, said that they're running it higher than than uh, Cyber Monday rates. Amazon traditionally says that Prime Day is a bigger peak than Cyber Monday. Um, so in this world when we're all on a tidal wave that's already bigger than Cyber Monday and Cyber Monday is coming up, like what's going to happen, right? Like, it, are we going to have a peak on top of peak? And if so, will retailers be able to execute? Or like, is is all that demand already cooked in and we're just going to see, you know, the, the the very high level we already have sustained through holiday? So maybe I'll start with you, Scott. Do you have a, a, a guess on how that's going to play out?
2: I mean, I do think there's going to be a peak on a peak. I think the retailers are planning for this. Uh, they're do you know trying to get capacity, uh, trying to do these all these other things, get people to shop earlier. Um, I think it might be an opportunity to not be as aggressive on discounts, uh, to you know sell closer to full price and and you know maybe be more profitable, uh, potentially you know helping to uh, you know, to subsidize a little bit of the, the profitability that's not going to happen from stores. So I think that's a, you know, an interesting scenario. Uh, I'm, I am i am calling it an interesting scenario. Cause I don't have like a, a I, I don't want to be that confident to say that I think that's actually going to happen for sure.
1: No, I wrote it down. Uh, that's your prediction. Uh, Ken, what about you? What do you think is going to happen?
3: Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I think I think the pressure on e-commerce operations. Uh, it, it, I think it's going to be relentless this year. Um, the um, and for bigger for bigger retailers that have larger operations where they can absorb e-commerce pressure into broader store operations. Um, those are folks that have a lot of work to do, but they're fortunate. Um, and for other retailers, I think it's it's going to be a combination of working overtime, being scrappy, trying to figure out how to do this. And uh, to Scott Silverman's point, uh, trying to throttle demand at times in order to um, in order to uh, to make sure that it doesn't uh, that it doesn't
1: <laughs> bring
3: the walls of the fulfillment center is collapsing down.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think I tend to agree. I think there's going to be a, a peak on a peak. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a bifurcation. The 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 retailers that invested in elastic capacity and moved to the cloud are probably way better situated than the retailers that are. Running their e commerce site on their own iron right now. So, um, that, that's going to be interesting. And of course, nobody, nobody has done holiday readiness, like load testing with these kinds of loads. So, so it's, this is going to be a very, uh, live test. But, um, I think that's going to be a great place to leave it because we have once again used up our allotted time. Uh, Scott, Ken really enjoyed having you on the show and talking about this super important issue. We're going to, Have to stay close to it for the rest of holiday. Um, As always, if listeners have uh, any questions or comments about uh, the stuff we talked about today, we'd love it if you'd hit us up on Twitter or our Facebook page, and we'll continue the conversation. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, please jump onto iTunes and give us that five-star review. That's the holiday present Scott and I most want, and it doesn't require any shipping whatsoever.
0: (laughs) Ken and Scott, we really appreciate it. Where can folks find you online if they want to follow your thought leadership?
2: Uh, Well, let's see. I'm on Twitter, but don't post a whole lot. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, we can give you a link for your show notes uh, where people can download the study that we've been uh, referencing quite a bit, but commerce next.com is where, you know, you can see a lot of the other research that we've been doing and the webinars that are rooted in research and so on uh, i would say yeah commerce next would be the best place to find all that information
0: okay you.
3: and you're always welcome to go to Cassarco, C A S S A R C O dot com uh where when i remember to i uh, post uh all uh, thought leadership that i uh, that i create
1: that's awesome i will put both of those links in the show notes and until next time happy commercing